my name is Sarah Moore Fitzgerald and I teach at the University of Limerick. I teach creative writing. So that's what I do by day. And by night, I'm a novelist. I've just finished writing my seventh novel. Yeah, teacher by day, writer by night. Hello and welcome to another mini bonus episode of We Love Books, the show where we absolutely love kids' books and we know you do too. Today, she's a writer, she's a teacher, and she's here with eight don'ts when it comes to being an author. Sarah Moore Fitzgerald has written seven novels, and counting, so she knows what she's talking about. And she very kindly agreed to chat to us here at the We Love Books headquarters and share insider knowledge about what not to do if you want to be a successful author. So grab a pen and take note. These are good. Tip one, take it away, Sarah. So I have eight don'ts when it comes to writing stories. Well, my first is don't be fake. People say, write what you know, and that could be a bit boring because maybe you don't necessarily feel that your life is particularly exciting and you want to use your imagination to take people to other worlds, which is fine. I think it's more useful to think about just make sure that you are coming from an authentic place, that you're being real, that you're using a voice that makes sense because readers can spot fakeness from a mile off. And so part of the job of learning to write a good story is to find something that is true at the center of it. And often that comes from the voice of the main character or from the situation, how people respond to situations that they're in. So you can be as crazy and wild as you like when it comes to your imagination and you can time travel and give people superpowers and have dinosaurs and wizards and, you know, all sorts of extraordinary things in your story. But if your readers can't pick up a voice that they identify with that sounds real and true, then you might lose them. And all that work that you do to create an exciting framework or context won't really pay off. So often the best way to write a story is to use the voice that you use every day when you're talking to your friends. There is no secret code. You know, there is. I used to think that I had to write in a kind of posh way using big words in order to qualify as a storyteller. In fact, often the opposite is the case. Give it to them between the eyes, talk straight, make it simple, because that voice will come over really elegantly and really believably. So first rule of thumb, don't be fake. So what's tip number two? Don't make assumptions. So this is really useful. When I am writing, I'm often writing for people who are a lot younger than me. So I have to be really careful not to make assumptions. I absolutely can't assume that the things that I'm concerned about are the same things that my readers will be concerned about. And the best way not to make assumptions is to ask your target audience loads of questions. Be connected to your readers. If you're going to write a story and you have a target readership in mind, then do a lot of listening and interacting to that group and find out what matters to them. So don't make any assumptions about what someone's going to like. Do your research. That really matters. How about tip number three? Don't underestimate your audience. You don't have to dumb things down for people. You don't have to overexplain. Readers are smart people and they will often put two and two together. 
So you don't have to tell them every detail about something. You don't have to describe a person from top to toe. Sometimes just one little feature can give a reader just what they need to form the picture in their own minds. You all know this because if you've ever read a book and then gone to the movies and you see a character on the screen, you say, that's not my version of whoever the character was. I have a different version in my head. And that's because you've created your own imaginative image of that person. A very clever writer, Joseph O'Connor, has said to me, and it's such a wise thing to say, the writer writes the music, but the reader sings the song. So allow your readers to fill in the gaps, to create their own version of your story. And that means you don't have to weigh everything down with detail. Don't underestimate them. You can just give them one little thing and they'll run with it and they'll understand what's going on. And a good writer can push their readers. If your readers already trust you, if you've already set the an interesting premise and the characters are believable, your readers will work hard to follow you. You don't always have to make it easy for your readers. Let's have tip number four. Don't sugarcoat. Now, what I mean by that is, of course, reading needs to be a safe space. But at the same time, I don't think people should avoid the dark. So this is my philosophy when I'm writing stories. I want to write stories that have hope in them. I want to write stories that give my characters agency so that a reader can say, you know, if I was in a difficult situation like that, maybe I would make the same choices or maybe I would make different choices. But a story space is often, for some children, it's the only safe space they have in their lives. Same as classrooms. Life can be really, really tough for young people. And there's no point in diminishing or dismissing the darker side of life because many children won't feel seen or understood if you don't address the realities within their own lives in your stories. So, I mean, if I think about the themes that I have covered in my stories, and almost all of my stories are for people of your age group, of people who are 10 or 11 or 12, maybe a little bit older. And I'll just give you a list of the themes that are explored in those books. Dementia. Bullying, depression, disadvantage. I've written about bereavement, about displacement, about poverty, about secrets, about serious injury. And the feedback that I get from readers are often from readers who have been through things like that in their own lives and who found the story such a comfort. If I had made the story a really happy thing where nobody had any difficulties or there was no conflict, it wouldn't actually be that interesting anyway. So, you know, there are no good stories necessarily about totally happy people. It's about our challenges. It's about the things we want in life and can't get. It's about obstacles and how we try to overcome them. That's the story of us all. And if we're not telling those kinds of stories, then they're not really that real. They're a bit kind of syrupy or saccharine or surface. And that's not why people read stories. They read stories to get down to the grit of life. So, Don't sugarcoat things because life isn't sugarcoated. It's not like that. So yeah, don't be afraid of the dark. Thanks, Sarah. What's tip number five? Tip number five is don't preach. Readers know when you're moralizing and you're standing on a pulpit and you're preaching. There's a great tip, show, don't tell. If you tell somebody something, it's quite banal. It's quite distance it's an instruction from afar if you show something to someone then they understand it so often instead of saying something really kind of generic 
about it being cold or someone being frightened. Instead of saying somebody was frightened, make it evocative. Show them the image of what the person looks like. It's so much better to say, instead of saying John was frightened, you might say a single drop of sweat rolled slowly down the side of John's face. So he's trying to pretend he's not frightened, but he's revealing himself by this kind of excess perspiration. So be observant about those things. Don't preach at us. Don't tell us what we should know about the story. If you show us a scene evocatively enough, then we'll figure it out. So it's related to that not underestimating your readership. And it's also about the craft of writing. Tip number six. Don't forget that there are universal themes that everybody finds evocative, whether you're 100 or whether you're one. And the universal themes keep recurring again and again and again in stories. And they're really good bases for excellent stories. So I'm thinking of things like school and the dramas that can happen in school and holidays and times in people's lives when parents were kind of not around. So you could get up to all sorts of mischief on your own. So the absence of adults is really important. Rags to riches. That's the topic of my latest novel, which came out this summer. And that's as ancient as Cinderella and beyond, you know, superpowers. You know, there's a really good reason why superpowers never go away in stories, because there's something so exciting about imagining yourself as having some secret superpower that nobody else knows about that gives you extraordinary agency over a world which can often feel chaotic when you're 10. So superpowers are great magic for the same reason. So as storytellers, look into your own heart and don't say, okay, well, I have to know what other people want. That's important. But also if if you dig deep in yourself, you'll find eternal stories that you know are exciting yourself and you know that you're going to be able to make those exciting for other people if if you write the story well enough. But also, you know, there are, of course, new Narnias, new portals, cyberspace and transient spaces and lots of things that have happened in the world can now be reference point for stories that didn't exist before. So COVID and lockdown and climate change and activism on that front, all the the new themes that are of concern now to the world that were less concerning when I was a child, those things are good hooks to hang your stories onto. Some really helpful stuff here for your writing going forward. What's tip number seven, Sarah? Tip number seven is don't generalize. Even if you wrote a book that millions of people were going to read, it's a really good idea when you're writing the story first, just to think of one person, one person that matters to you, your best friend or someone you just really like or someone who gets you. There's this incredible paradox. The more specific you are, the more you think about one particular situation and all of the features around that situation, the more universally appealing that's going to be. One of the most successful books of the last couple of decades was a book called Salmon Fishing in the Yemen. It took off. And when you read that title, you just think that is a very niche title, but it was niche and it did talk about something very specific, but it did that in a way that tapped into universal longings and conflict and finding yourself and endeavor and failure and success and all those things. So don't generalize. One of the big problems with people who are learning to write stories is that they say things very 
generally, you know, and, you know, they think that that's going to be a way that everybody will understand it. But the more specific you are, the more vivid your writing can be, then the more you're going to connect with people. And I suppose a fundamental cornerstone of success in storytelling is the nature of the connection that you establish with your reader. So connecting through specific details and specific situations is an amazingly successful way of doing that, I have found. So the more specific I am, the more I can be vivid and very niche about what's actually going on for a single individual, somehow the, the better the story turns out. And finally, tip number eight. So my final tip is, and I think this might be the most important one of all, don't lose faith. It's very easy if you want to be a writer and if you're writing stories to say, oh, it takes such a long time, you know, and you can easily say, oh, no one's going to want to read this and this isn't important enough or this has been done before or something like that. So don't let the voices of doubt overtake you. If you are persistent and resilient and if you keep going and if you get to the end of the story and then you go back to the beginning and keep on improving it, eventually it's going to be good enough. It's amazing how hard work will trump any abstract notion of talent. You probably found that in your own lives. The harder you work at something, the more talented you're going to be at it anyway. So it kind of goes hand in hand. Keep the faith because it takes faith to keep going. You need to write with conviction. You need to write with enthusiasm. If you lose that, if your writing, your writing is going to come, become flat, it's going to trail off. So, and this is, I, I guess, you know, that's a life um, hack as well. Do everything with the same enthusiasm of a five-year-old kid and a Batman outfit. You know, that kind of thing is like, give yourself the pep talk, say, I can do this. This is important to me always keep going because I have found in writing my novels that there's always a point in the story where I do kind of lose faith. It's often about halfway through after the dazzling kind of hope of the beginning has kind of worn off and I'm in the thick of the middle of writing the book and I, I'm, I'm just about to pack it in, you know. I feel lost in a dark forest and I don't know how to get out. But what do you do when you're lost in the dark forest? You look for the light. That's true in writing. That's true in life. I think that's the best tip I can give anyone. That is an amazing tip. I love hearing that as well, because sometimes it can seem really daunting. You know, you can write a short story maybe, but a whole novel is yeah. <laughs> so huge. Yeah. And it's amazing to hear that award-winning authors also have those moments of being lost in the dark. And then they find all their the way time. out. <laughs> Completely, all the time. But don't let that feeling overtake you because it's grit and determination and hope and courage and enthusiasm that will get you through. And how easy was it to write your latest published novel, which came out in July? Oh, well, do you know what, Neve? It's always hard, as I was just saying. One of the things that I've learned about writing is that there are no shortcuts, that it never gets any easier. And I often say at the end of writing one, I go, all right, the next one. The next one's just going to be easy. I'm not going to let this kind of overtake my life. And then it always does. So I think that's just the nature of the beast. But it was a joy to write, I have to say. Gradually, a character called Penny Nolan started to take shape in my head and she had been there for a long time. And so when I finally got round to writing it, she poured onto the page, actually. There was something really compelling. I couldn't stop writing her once I started. So in that way, it was a joy. Yeah. And can I ask for the readers who they may not have read yet, but to give them a kind of a, a sense of what all the money in the world is like, so it's about Penny Nolan. When we meet her first, her life is really very tough. She lives in a very disadvantaged place. 
She has two really good friends who make life worth living and they're really loyal to each other. But gradually she starts to become convinced that there's a better life somewhere else. And she starts to seek out opportunities that are going to get her to a better place in her own head. And uh, there's a next door neighbor who turns out to be her key to that. She connects with her and she turns out to be really rich. And Penny, she comes into a huge amount of money and it enables her to make choices in her life that she wouldn't ever have been able to dream about. The story is about what happens to someone who has nothing and who really suffers because of that disadvantage suddenly has all the money in the world. And it's about what she does and the decisions that she makes and the price that she pays and the things that she learns as a result. So there you have it, the eight don'ts of writing. Things not to do, whether you're writing for school or you're penning the next great Irish novel. Maybe both. I'm sure that has left you inspired and ready to get scribbling. Thank you so much to the wonderful Sarah Moore Fitzgerald for sharing her wisdom. Well, that's it for another mini bonus episode. I'm Neve Bennett. This is We Love Books. And until next time, happy reading. Happy reading.